0: Again, we are so excited that you're in worship with us, and as we've already mentioned, that we're in this season of Lent, and we're trying to encourage each and every one of you uh, this idea of letting go to go deeper, right? Letting go, going deeper, and so if you didn't know what the Lenten season, we keep saying that word over and over. If you didn't know what that is or what it was, it's a time where we intentionally inventory our time, right? We, we begin to, to examine our lives, figure out where our time goes, right? It seems to slip away. We lost an hour this morning, right? And so we look at our time, but we also look at our time that we spend with God. And when we begin to ask ourselves, what does our commitment to God look like? And, and are we able to create space? Are we able to create some margin in our lives in order to grow that commitment in order to grow our connection with god and so the way that we do that the way that we grow our connection with god is through what we call spiritual disciplines right they're they're disciplines that help us grow spiritually and some of the core ways that we do that is through prayer or through reading Scripture, reading the Bible, and, and serving other people. Those are kind of the, the core spiritual disciplines that we practice. But there are other ways to do any number of those three things, through prayer, reading Scripture, and uh, by serving other people. And so we, we intentionally inventory this time, and, and we begin to consider how we can create space, how we can create that margin in order to maybe strengthen some old disciplines that we have, um, or maybe explore and adopt new disciplines, um, and again, in order to help us grow closer to God, it's sort of like uh, like spiritual New Year's resolutions, right? And I know for some of us, we actually encourage you to make some spiritual New Year's resolutions uh, uh, the Sunday after New Year's. Um, and so maybe this is a time to kind of check back in, you know, kind of check your progress, see where you're at. But uh, it's again, it's a, a, this time of where we intentionally focus um, on our connection with God. And even if this is news to you, if this is a totally new concept to you, that's okay. If you're not sure what it looks like, you're in good company. Like I said, if for some of us, we can, uh, we can strengthen old disciplines, but for maybe some of us, we want to change things up or just simply explore and learn and begin to practice new disciplines. We want this, this season of Lent, for you to be an intentional time where you can explore what that looks like for you. And so, don't get so hung up on what it looks like, what form that it takes. Um, again, stick with those three uh, essentials, prayer, reading scripture, and serving other people, and you'll be a, in, in, a, in a good place. Um, but if you're wanting to explore some different things, don't, don't get hung up on what form does it actually look like. Am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong? Um, because what matters is what's behind the heart of the spiritual discipline, right? Right? Our, our hope and our motivation is that we would grow closer to God. And if any of you were with us on Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the season of Lent. And, and we wanted to make uh, this season of Lent to sort of underscore and, and highlight this, this motivation that the author of Psalm 51 has. He has this desire, this deep desire to be close to God. And this is what he says. A portion of Psalm 51 says this. The the psalmist is asking of God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. But instead, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. The the sacrifice, the the act of worship that is acceptable to God is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And and so we wanted to to hear these words from the author of this psalm. And and hopefully that becomes maybe even a prayer. Maybe that's something that you can begin to pray every day is, is God, do not cast me away, but but draw me close. Create in me a clean heart. Put a new spirit, a willing spirit within me, right? And know that that the big idea for for this part from Ash Wednesday is that God desires broken people who are willing to be drawn closer to God. Create in me a, a clean heart, a redeemed heart, God, and allow me to repent, to turn toward you so that I can be drawn closer to you. and so in this season of Lent, whatever you decide to let go of, that we hope that it will help you create more room in your life, more margin in your life, to go deeper with God in your life. and all you have to do to make that happen is is to offer yourself to God, just as you are, just where you are, exactly where you are, and, and acknowledge that, hey, I'm, I'm broken. Uh, I'm in need of, of help. I'm in need of God's grace. I'm in, I'm in need of God's salvation and redemption. And, and I really want not just to stay there. I, I want to grow more deeply and more closely w- with God and to God. And so do that, whatever it looks like, Consistently throughout these next forty days, and so in this season of Lent, we we want you to not only learn about spiritual disciplines, but we also want to give you opportunities to actually practice them, right? And so we want you to be able to experience God maybe in some some new or different ways, but maybe for some of these things they are familiar to you, and and it will be good uh, source of, of remembering and practice, and so. Some of the disciplines that we'll be looking at throughout the the next several weeks is solitude, service, worship, guidance, uh, and submission. And so all those are kind of interesting words and we'll unpack those things. And this morning we'll be unpacking the word solitude. And we're actually going to be looking at a story of when Jesus chose to go on a journey of solitude uh, in order to prepare himself for the ministry that God had called him to. And it's the story of Jesus being sent out into the desert, into the wilderness by himself. And we learn that he's tempted, right? He's tempted by the devil. And so maybe you've heard of this story loosely, but it shows up in in all the Gospels. And so we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke um and so if you're becoming more familiar with your bibles um it is in the new testament and it's the the fourth gospel in that new testament so you have matthew mark then you have luke and then you have the gospel of john excuse me so it's the third one not the fourth one Um, but find your place there we're going to be looking at chapter 4 verses 1 through 13 and so follow along on your phones follow along on the screens Uh, Can we raise a little bit of the house light so if people have their their Bibles uh, that they could read to and follow along? um, That would be great. Uh, But we'll go ahead and start reading this together. It says this, it says, Jesus returned from the Jordan River, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And afterward, Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, since you are God's son, command this this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus replied, it's written, people won't live only by bread. Next, the, the devil led him to a high place and he showed him in a single instant all the kingdoms of the world. The devil said, I will give you this whole domain and the glory of all these kingdoms it's been entrusted to me, and I can give it to anyone that I want. Therefore, if oops, did I jump ahead, sorry. Therefore, if you will worship me, it will all be yours. Interesting. Jesus answers, "It is written, "You will worship the Lord your God and serve only Him." The devil then brought him into Jerusalem and and stood at the highest point at the temple. And he said to him, since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. Jesus answered, it's been said, don't test the Lord your God. And after finishing every temptation, the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. And everyone said, thanks be to God. So it's a really interesting story, right? We, we have this interaction where Jesus is sent out into the desert, into the wilderness by himself and is approached by the devil himself to, to tempt him in various ways and What's really interesting is that the season of Lent sort of follows this mentality that, that Jesus was sort of sent onto this journey, right, for 40 days. Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist, and we're told that he is led. And even in, in some, transla- some translations, it says that he is driven by the Holy Spirit, compelled by the Holy Spirit to go out into the wilderness for 40 days. And so the season of Lent mirrors that trajectory of of being led by the Spirit to be led in such a way that where we are intentional about connecting with God in a much more intimate and, and deep way. And so the season of Lent is also 40 days, and that doesn't include... Easter, right? It, uh, Easter. It doesn't include Sundays. Sundays are like many Easters within the season of Lent. It's time of breaking your fast, whatever you're letting go of or giving up, um, and, and being able to, to celebrate even in the midst of, of a journey like this one. And so it tells us, the story tells us, that Jesus fasted Right? He fasted specifically from food, and of course, you could imagine Jesus was pretty hungry, right? It says he was famished after those 40 days, and much like the rest of us uh, in the season of Lent, we make that same choice, right? We choose to fast from something. We choose to give up. We choose to let go. We choose to do without something, in our lives, in order to draw closer to God, and so this was fasting was a, was a common practice, and so Jesus was practicing this spiritual discipline that was pretty common for for men of, of the Jewish faith tradition to do at that time. And some of us are more like, "Man, that sounds terrible," or "That sounds not fun." Um, and and to be honest, it might not be. But but the point of fasting, the point of giving up something, isn't to punish yourself isn't to punish oneself but it's it, it, it's an opportunity for us to learn to make God the most important thing in your life the point is to make God the most important thing in your life even over something as essential and as precious as food and so what we learn is like okay Jesus is really committed to this right he's going to fast for 40 days Jesus his heart his motivation like we talked about earlier His motivation was to obediently follow God. His desire was to draw close to God, to listen to God more than anything else in life. And so Jesus, he models this before he he pursues his ministry in full. He's baptized, he's sent out to the desert to, to connect with God. But at the same time, he's confronted, right? He meets some resistance, But even still, Jesus assumes this posture of of following where the Holy Spirit was leading him and continually opening himself up to listen and follow God. And so the interesting thing is like, okay, if this is what Jesus was doing, it would be really cool, right, if we could overhear maybe some of those conversations Jesus was having with God, right? That would be kind of helpful, I would think, or we would think. Uh, But we're not given those kinds of conversations. Instead, we're given a conversation between not Jesus and God, but Jesus and the devil. And, and even in these conversations, when we overhear what Jesus and the devil are talking about, we, we begin to learn that Jesus' posture, it consistently seeks to be the same. It continues to be one of service, the one of, of humility, and one of obedience right? The, the, Jesus, the, the, the devil, excuse me, is trying to get Jesus off of this track, right? He's trying to convince Jesus to, to find some sort of opportunity to where Jesus no longer wants to serve the heart of God, but instead to serve some other motive, some other heart. And so even in these conversations, we get to see that Jesus is consistent in what God has called him to be, And to become but we also see the fruit we get to see the fruit of what jesus has experienced alone in the wilderness with god through his conversation with the devil right and and the devil comes at jesus hard right he comes for the sort of sort of for the low-hanging fruit right the easiest kind of need that that jesus has which is he's hungry right and i think when we when we try any one of us try to draw close to god in this season or any season of light, I think what this, this scenario teaches us is that we can be met with some sort of resistance. We can expect that. And that's okay. We don't need to fear that, but we can expect it um, and, and ask for God's grace and God's wisdom and God's strength to help us in those moments. But the devil tempts Jesus first by that low-hanging fruit, right? He's like, I'm coming for what you need right now in this moment. And he really continues to tempt him in, in three ways. He says, "The devil's. I'm gonna. Con- I'm gonna try to tempt Jesus with just plain old su- uh, sustenance, right? I'm gonna try to feed you. And then I'm gonna try to tempt you with ambition. I'm gonna try to make you ruler of all of these kingdoms. And then I'm gonna try to make you tempted to abuse your power, uh, to to distrust God and to not follow God, to to try to carve your own path, right? I'm gonna." test God, right? And Jesus says, hey, you don't do that. But even if we were able just to look at one of these three temptations that we read about, if we just even looked at the first one, we can witness something remarkable. We can witness something remarkable in all three of them, but let's just take the first one. Let's take a stab at that. It says, after Jesus is 40 days without food, he's feeling famished. He's gone without food for over a month. Imagine that. This is his response, right? Luke says this. It says, There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and afterward Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, Since you are God's son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus replied, It's written, People won't live only by bread. And and you'll kind of see this pattern, right? The devil offers some sort of Alternative, right? I, I, you can do this or you can do that. you can make this happen for yourself if you want and jesus is saying no I, i'm i'm going to resist doing things only for myself instead I want to do things only for my Father in heaven, and the crazy thing is is that in each of these one of these temptations the the conversation is sort of this battle with the Word of God. You may not know this or realize this, but what the devil is referencing is the word of God in each of these temptations, right? He's, he's using sort of the language that, that God knows in order to tempt Jesus to do something other than what God has intended. That's really scary, right? Wow, the, the devil knows scripture. Um, and so it's sort of interesting because this is sort of, like I said, like a battle. Like the devil uses scripture, but then Jesus responds with scripture and, and so when we listen to what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I'm starving right now, right? That's true, but it's not the most important thing. It's not the most important thing in this moment or in this conversation. In fact, the inner hunger that, that I'm experiencing, the inner hunger that we all experience, whether it's for literal food or, or, for, or for fulfillment, is that it won't be satisfied alone with the things that this world can provide for us. But instead, it it can only be satisfied with the things that God alone can give us. Right? So he's pushing back a little bit on the devil. And, And Jesus, he has this remarkable capacity that after this journey into the wilderness, after his journey of solitude, he desires more the thing that he has gained from God than the thing that he has temporarily given up or the thing that he has temporarily lost. I'm gonna say that one more time. Jesus desires more the thing that he gained from God than the thing that he temporarily lost. Does that make sense? And and so in in Jesus's time with God, we, we learn what he learned. We learn what he learned in his intentional time of of solitude, of of creating space, more margin to to listen, to to follow, and obey God. And we learn that through this interesting conversation between he and the devil. And so we get to see the fruit of what he gained, what Jesus gained by growing close to God. And it served to prepare him in order to, to continue to follow God faithfully and obediently, right? To to faithfully serve in the way that God was calling him to serve. Jesus was able to, to do it with a clean heart, right? He was able to do it with a willing spirit, right? Sort of echoing the author of, of Psalm 51. And so I wonder for us this morning, if if this season of Lent that we're already in the middle of and that we're, we're continuing into, I wonder that we might learn to do the same as Jesus was able to do, as, as what Jesus was able to model for us, is that whatever we're giving up, <clears throat> that we would desire the things that we will gain from God more than the things that we will temporarily let go of. Does that make sense? That there's just a deeper desire to say, I need to give up something in order to grow closer to God, and, and I want that so much that, that it becomes far more important than anything I could ever give up in the first place, right? And so wh- what is that thing, right? Maybe it's, it's something physical, tangible, food. Maybe it's something like anxiety or fear. Or, or uh, what's another one I'm trying to think of that people have been telling me that they're giving up? Um, other ones uh, like, I can't think of the word. It was a really good one, but that's okay. Um, people finding ways for tangible and intangible things to give up, things that we desire more, that we want to gain from God over the things that we're going to temporarily lose or give up. And so in our call to serve God, through each, if we look at each of these temptations together, we can learn about what our purpose is. We can learn about what Jesus' purpose is, but and then as followers of Jesus, we learn our purpose as well. Right? So he he tempts him with food. And Jesus' response is, in our call to serve God, we're not here to feed ourselves. We're here to feed others. Right? And then when he says, hey, I will make you ruler of all these kingdoms of the world. You just got to follow me. Jesus says that, that we're not here to seek our own way we're here to seek God's way. We're not here to build our own kingdom and for us to become kings of that kingdom. Instead, we're here to build God's kingdom and to let Jesus be our king. Let Jesus be our lord of our lives and to follow him, right? And then when the devil says, listen, if you just you can jump off this temple because this is a sign that the Messiah is here and and because you're your heavenly Father loves you and knows you, that he'll never let anything bad befall you, right? And and then the angels will come and and they will swoop you up before you hit the ground and and not even one of your toes will touch a stone. But Jesus knows better because he has a a much larger calling than than to to use the, the power of God for himself. Because Jesus was called to pour out himself for others. And so we're not here. Jesus did not come to gain power, but to give power to the powerless. To give power to the powerless. And so this is this is what we can learn even just from a brief conversation, even if it seems like an odd one. And so as we seek together solitude and silence, we can... It can help us keep that perspective are we here for ourselves or are we here for God right and that's a daily battle right an hourly battle a minute-by-minute battle but sometimes solitude and silence it can help us maintain that perspective because we're inviting God to share with us God's heart and God's will and God's way whether we're we're distracted busy or, or tempted to do otherwise when we take time to retreat with God, we can recenter ourselves and we can regain this perspective. And so the big idea this morning is that solitude puts us in a posture to listen and follow God. That's what it does. When we just take those five minutes, maybe we, we've parked the car, we're at work, and we just sit there with our hands on the, on the steering wheel, maybe dreading walking in the door, but we can say, God, I want to use these next 30 seconds, this this next minute, that that there's so much going on, there's so much that needs to be done, I am guilty of that. That I I, I want to honor you by not letting that distract distract me or or have me drawn away from you. But I want to regain that, that center, I want to regain that perspective that I want to do life with you and not apart from you. By turning our times of, of being alone with God into times of listening to God in silence and solitude, we can grow in the ability to be present, to be present with God. And, and you know what that does? We begin to take the focus off of ourselves, and it helps us to grow in the ability to be present and attentive to other people, right? Right? If we're just thinking about all the things that we need to accomplish that we need to check off the list, we can overlook some of the the opportunities that God presents to us to serve people and to bless people right so so learning that capacity to, to connect with God actually can help us connect with other people and to serve them better I was reading this this um, devotional the other week and it and it said this about this this Spiritual Discipline of of Solitude. It says, Solitude is one of the most important and life-giving spiritual disciplines. If you want to hear God, you must practice solitude. You must practice solitude. If you want fortitude in your life, a steadfastness that surpasses your circumstances, you must practice solitude. You are designed for time spent in the quiet, simply being with your Heavenly Father. So what are we doing in order to create that space where we can withdraw, where we can have a moment, if not more moments, of solitude in order to put ourselves in a posture to to listen to God and also to follow God? And so I'm just going to ask a, a couple of questions, and maybe you can ponder them uh, during the worship service or, or throughout the rest of the week, but asking questions like, how, how comfortable are you with being alone? What is it going to take for you to be alone? I'm you know, a parent of, of young children, and that is increasingly difficult to do because they want to be around you all the time. And it's like, well, I'm getting some good practice, losing this hour of sleep, right? I can maybe lose another hour tomorrow and the next day. But again, it's not about losing the hour, but it's desiring more what I will gain by spending that, that hour with God, right? Let's, let's apply that to our lives. How comfortable are we with silence, right? We're, we're so used to always having our attention drawn by something. What does it look like for us to be in rest in silence, to be in God's presence? And if you're able to do that, what do you end up concentrating on when you're sitting in silence and trying to listen to God, right? That always happens. It's, it's always hard. It's not, you can't just flip a switch and, and, and turn off all of those thoughts, all those, those busy things that are happening in our lives. What do we tend to think about? Can we, can we put that in the, in the metaphorical parking lot, right? Um, I know I do that, and I'll invite you to do that in a moment, but to, to, to not to forget, right? We worry we're going to forget, so we keep, keep track of it in our minds, write it down, put it somewhere separate, get it out of your head so that your head can be more focused on God. And so when we're listening to God, the desire is to, to listen well, to figure that out. Some other things that you might want to try this week is that is to look for little solitudes quote unquote right look for little solitudes among your ordinary daily experiences and journal about them write them down when did they happen where did they happen what happened right how did it make you feel and what difference did it make did you take those 30 seconds at the steering wheel and do that or on the elevator on the way up to wherever you're going right Finding those little solitude moments to connect with God. If you're able, try to find a quiet place that you can find, That's whether it's in your home or outside your home, and then spend a session, whatever that looks like for you, any amount of time that looks like for you in that place. And, and, and think about, meditate and reflect on that experience. Even share your experience. If you have a significant other or even with your kids, Encourage them to do that. I know it's, it's harder for them, but, but practice it maybe even as a family. And maybe if, you're, if, if outside is one of those places where you're trying to seek some solitude, I love this suggestion. Take a 30-minute silent prayer walk around your neighborhood at a nearby park. Do whatever it takes in order to find that time, that space to, nec- to connect with God. Friends, I really believe that in this season of, of letting go and, and going deeper, the, the remarkable thing about this story that we, that we learn about and that we just read is that Jesus' responses to the temptations of the devil were a culmination of the fruit of, of what was within him and what was with his connection with God. And so I want to ask you, what is the fruit of your connection with, with God, or, or what will be the fruit as a result of your connection with God in this season. Amen? Amen. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to practice what we preach, right? So we do this from time to time, but we are going to take five minutes to be in silence, right? And so I want to invite you to have that posture, you can close your eyes. Some people just like to have their eyes open, whatever. And it will be hard because your mind will be racing. Well, it, it's almost time for lunch. What are we going to do with, with the kids? I got to go pick them up. All the, all the things, right? All the things that happen after this. But can, if we can make this hour and we can try to give our attention to God and be as present as we know how to be, let's try that together. So you can write down those things, Right? write down the laundry list, spend the first three minutes doing that, right? But it's an effort to, to try to maintain as much as you can a posture to listen to God and to follow God. And so as you're doing that, uh, I also want you to be thinking of maybe something that you want to let go of in order to go deeper, right? And we'll have an opportunity to do that later in the service, but using this time intentionally just to, to listen and to perhaps begin to to understand where god might be leading you in this time Are you guys ready i'm gonna set a timer here we go Hmm, i gotta find it first (laughs) here it is okay i have a timer assume a comfortable position (laughs) and here we go starting now five minutes in silence and reflection I want you to take time to write down whatever God was able to speak to you Um, or if you it was just a a practice of just being of giving that moment to yourself let it be that too we want to invite you as we sing our our next song and continue in worship that maybe there's there is something that you do want to let go of and that you want to be able to, to pin to this board, and, and maybe by the, the end of these 40 days, when we celebrate Easter together, that we get to look um, and, and maybe get to see God's work in your life, to see that what you've been able to gain, what fruit you have been able to bear by giving God, by letting go of that and, and going deeper with God. And so I want to give you that opportunity to, to go and, and write as you feel led. Um, but I want to pray for us before we begin. Good and gracious God, how good is it when we let ourselves a moment's peace to intentionally seek solitude and to dwell in your presence? God, when, when we silence ourselves. We become so much more aware of, of what's going on in our minds and in our hearts, God. Perhaps for, for some of us or many of us, God, we, we recognize those, those anxious thoughts that we have. Those thoughts that, that, that continue to, to drive our behavior. To drive the decisions that we make, God. But in that silence, God, we could set those things aside temporarily. God, and from that we can gain your perspective, we can gain your peace and your hope, God. Your presence. God, taking this time, and allows us to connect to, to each other. God, I could hear the people sniffling and, and coughing and breathing, God. I can hear the birds outside chirping. God, that when we take a moment with you in solitude, God, it can connect us deeper to those that are around us. To notice, to pay attention. God, to seek and follow those opportunities that, that you present to us. And so God, we just ask that, that you would continue to honor those, those moments of solitude that we practice not just now, but in, in the weeks to come and in the weeks to come. So God, we just pray that you would give us the courage and the strength to let go in order to grow deeper. And for this, God, we give you thanks. We pray all this in Jesus' name.